0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
1: Dr. Taz Walker from Creation Ministries is our guest. Taz is about to head to Tasmania. So if you're in Tasmania, check the uh, website creation.com and you'll be able to find out where he's going to be speaking. He's heading off to Tasmania tomorrow. But we're going to be taking calls through this coming hour for your insights or your questions about creation and evolution issues. Dr. Taz Walker has a doctorate in mechanical engineering and uh, he planned, designed and operated power stations for over 20 years with the electricity industry in Queensland. He's also a qualified uh, qualified in the field of earth science, and has created resources about geology and about the Bible. He says a biblical framework of geology leads to a new appreciation of the environments and processes of different geological phases. Well, his website describes the basis of this model and a practical application to the Great Artesian Basin of Australia. We're going to talk about Central Australia, the red centre today, and evidence for creation, evidence for a great flood. You can be a part of our conversation. Let me invite you to be a part of that 1-800-316-316 as we welcome Dr.
2: Taz Walker. Hi Taz, welcome along. Oh, good day, there Neil. It's really good to be here. It's good to catch up with you again.
1: Taz, you know what's exciting about a conversation like this is that we're not talking about somewhere halfway around the world or or more uh, we're talking about our own backyard and when we start talking about creation when we start talking about the debate creation evolution our own backyard is really where for most of us this is where uh, it all has to start and if we can see evidence in our own backyard we may well just change our opinions of the things that we've grown up with.
2: Indeed that's right and Australia is an amazing place and uh, people love traveling around and seeing all the scenes and the sights and basically when people travel around they it's presented to them in terms of evolution over millions of years and uh, that's what creation ministries are doing we're reinterpreting this information showing that it fits within the biblical history that the flood the global flood is the key event and uh, various things that happened after the flood and when people see that it changes their whole way of looking at the world and i've had amazing people Uh, Tell me just how it's changed their outlook on things to be able to see Noah's flood in Australia.
1: Well, when we look at Australia's landscapes and every continent, every nation around the world has their own landscapes and they must have been formed somehow. But when we look at our mountain ranges, when we look at our great wide open spaces in the outback, we look at the great artesian basin and all those things that are happening beneath the surface of Australia's landscape. How do these things, how do these things uh, contribute to our understanding of, of creation?
2: Well, uh, once you understand the process of Noah's Flood, and it was an enormous event, uh, and that, uh, for example, the sediments of the Great Artesian Basin, they contain lots of fossils. They, they stretch right from one side of the continent, from around Brisbane, allway, all the way into the Northern Territory, down into South Australia, down into uh, New South Wales. And these sediments are mined for um, coal, and also they're drilled for oil and gas, And these were laid down during Noah's flood. And uh, that's right at the – as the waters were nearing their peak and we find uh, evidence of dinosaurs uh, running, trying to escape from uh, the waters that were coming. And you find at Lark Quarry, for example, there's a a uh, government-funded tourist centre there right in the middle of nowhere where you can go and have a look at dinosaur footprints that are on the sandstone uh, where they've been uh, fleeing from things. And uh, then you find the dinosaur bones. You find, uh, for example, Matabarosaurus is found near Mataburra, and there's a dinosaur bones found uh, up near Huendun. And also they find um, swimming animals like plesiosaurs uh, at places near Richmond. And so you find these animals amazingly buried, uh, a catastrophe that affected the ocean, that affected the land, and uh, that's the, the ev- part of the evidence or part of what you would expect from the account of Noah's Flood. Taz, as we get this conversation
1: underway for the coming hour, uh, we all look at the same evidence. Uh, You've got scientists who are on the evolution side of the argument. They're looking at evidence and they're saying uh, billions of years and uh, evolution is the way this all happened creationists look at the same evidence and they have a different set of assumptions that they're applying to uh, those things. How do you actually, when you're in a, you know, you've got big gatherings that you speak to, sometimes hundreds of people all turning out, people with scientific uh, qualifications and they're firing questions at you, how do you handle uh, the assumptions that we come to the argument with when we come from a creation perspective?
2: Most people don't realise that they are dealing with assumptions or working from assumptions. Many geologists, most geologists think that they're just looking at the evidence and coming up with the facts. And it sometimes takes a little bit of pointing out to them. They're actually looking at the evidence and applying assumptions to it. And the basic assumption, as far as geology goes, is that Noah's flood never happened and so it's it's uh, the attempt is to explain it by what we see happening today we see rainfall we see rivers and and slow gradual processes and so that's where the idea of millions of years comes from and uh, whereas a person who uh, starts with the bible uh, looks the big event is the global flood of noah where the whole world was deluged and destroyed And so when you start from that assumption and you look at what you would expect to find as the waters were rising on the earth and then as the waters were flowing off and go out to look at the the evidence, you find that the evidence uh, matches very well and Noah's Flood explains it very well, as uh, we've looked at Central Australia and other places around Australia. Because one of the
1: special elements, I guess, when we talk about Noah's Flood is that uh, when the flood came, the rain came down but also water came up from the ground. Uh, And this, uh, when we start talking about uh, the uh, Great Artesian Basin, uh, we're talking about groundwater coming up from underneath.
2: Well, it does come up from underneath today in the Great Artesian Basin. When people put down boreholes, the water comes up. But that wouldn't be the water that the Bible is talking about as the waters, the the fountains of the great deep. That water uh, almost certainly is water which was deposited with the sediments during the flood so that would have been water that uh, was buried during the flood and and uh, that's what um, people working in the great artesian basin are coming to realize is that the water is not being replenished the pressures in the artesian bores is reducing and so there's they've for many years now decades now they've been working to conserve the water because they say it's uh, although there is some renewal of it, it's basically we're drawing it down and it's uh, they talk about mining, mining the water, and so it's it, uh, not renewable.
1: Uh, let's talk about those fossils that you might find in places, Central Australia, around the, uh, the uh, parts where the Great Artesian Basin is. Uh, the fossils that you find there, those are evidence for the flood.
2: Exactly right. And so when there are farmers, say, on the Darling Downs, put down a bore, they'll be bringing up uh, shells, uh, ocean shells and other things. There's coal, of course, which is vegetation, which has been buried and altered. And uh, many people imagine that it takes millions of years to form coal, uh, but actually it can form quite quickly just with moderate temperatures 150 degrees centigrade, maybe a bit more, and the, the higher the temperature, the, the blacker the coal, the more alteration, and that can happen within a few weeks, the coalification process. So it's a chemical process that does not require millions of years. I guess people
1: give attention to, uh, to other minerals as well and the way that they may have formed, or even uh, the gemstone deposits that we might find so richly in areas in central Australia. Uh, these sorts of things... They, they've formed quickly as well?
2: Yes, well, for example, opals, uh, they are found within the sediments of the Great Artesian Basin uh, or, or, or the sediments connected with that, and you find opals at places like Lightning Ridge, there's uh, opals found at other places in Queensland, there's opals found at Coober Pedy in South Australia, and these form within the sandstone uh, under certain conditions, and they uh, can form very quickly. There's a An opal fossicker at uh, Lightning Ridge who um, experimented with forming uh, opals, how they form by putting some sediment and some liquid actually within Vegemite jars in his little tin shed on the back of his uh, fossicking area. And the opal colouring appears within uh, 10 days. And so it's something that happens quite quickly. It doesn't take millions of years. And when you talk about those dinosaurs
1: running away from what is likely to be a floodwater disaster, that wouldn't be just a, a local rainfall event that happens every year. That would be something that's bigger than all of that.
2: Indeed. It is it's, it's uh, it is enormous. And actually, the the dinosaur footprints at Lark Quarry, which is up past... Uh, Winton, out from Winton, about some 100 kilometres or further. Um, there's some more recent work has been done on these from the University of Queensland. And the researcher uh, was looking at the, the actual shape of the footprints and the dinosaurs seemed to be walking on their toes. A lot of them were on their toes. It wasn't a full footprint. And so he has come up with the suggestion that the dinosaurs were actually in water, which was supporting them. And so they were uh, up to shoulder deep in this water, and the small dinosaurs, you'd be looking at uh, something like half a metre of water, and uh, this water was supporting them, and they were on their toes trying to move uh, through it. And, of course, that is exactly what you would expect from Noah's flood as the waters were rising. And uh, so these footprints are very prominent, and they're very much a tourist uh, attraction in, uh, in Queensland. Interestingly, when we talk about tourism and the idea of dinosaurs
1: and the millions or billions of years that people talk about, uh, it would interestingly be as much a tourist attraction uh, if you could actually show that this was uh, Noah's flood. Would that be the case, do you think?
2: Well, I agree. It would be an attraction and that's really what we're doing. We're presenting material, reinterpreting information and presenting it within terms of Noah's flood. And uh, of course... When, when the evidence is pointed out to people, it becomes obvious. Like, for example, the dinosaurs that are the, re, the remains of them that are found in Queensland, they call it Dinosaur Triangle up there. There's so many uh, fossils which are found. They're often very well preserved, uh, indicating that, unlike kangaroos, which get knocked over on the side of the road, that uh, these things were buried before there was any scavenging. And the remains were preserved, basically intact, articulated is the term they use, and uh, indicating rapid burial. And so rapid burial means it doesn't take much time. And so people who believe in millions of years, they're the people who have the time problem is that where do they put the time when the evidence points to these um, these fossils forming rapidly and large layers of sandstone and sediment being covering a whole area rapidly. So they've got the time problem.
1: So, Taz, when we talk about evidence and uh, those assumptions that people make on both sides of the argument, and uh, and some will be thinking, well, it takes great faith to believe that God created, that there was Noah's flood. But I imagine it takes equal amount of faith to believe the other interpretation of the evidence too.
2: Yes, the, uh, and the, the long-age interpretation, there are lots of problems that, with that. For example, in the landscapes, the shapes of the landscapes, there are certain features which are evident in, in the red centre – which geologists and uh, what they call geomorphologists, these are guys who study the shape of the landscape, they've uh, been puzzling over this for uh, over 100 years and not been able to come up with a satisfactory explanation for some amazing features in the landscapes. But Noah's Flood explains those very well. So, yes... um, People who don't want to believe in Noah's Flood will search and search and search uh, for ways of trying to explain it elsewhere, but they're the ones who are struggling.
1: We are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. You might have a question to do with... Creation or evolution? Uh, You're invited to be part of our conversation. Uh, No question too hard to ask. If you've got something that you've been uh, holding as a doubt for many years, you might like to air that today. You're more than welcome, 1-800-316-316. Always good to talk to an expert when it comes to issues to do with creation and evolution. Our special guest this hour is Dr. Taz Walker from Creation Ministries International, and we are taking calls. Let's take a call. Uh, First of all, we'll hear from Neil in uh, Kurumbuk, in Victoria. Hello, Neil. Welcome along. Hi. Hey, how are you going? Very good, Neil. What are your thoughts? Um, I, no, I, I'm um,
3: I've been interested in creation science for a long time. I'm
1: I'm in the
3: natural resource management industry, um, and currently working for an Aboriginal trust doing um, uh, natural resource management work for them, and I've. I guess I've got a couple of questions I've just been reading uh, a book called I think it's the biggest estate in on the planet uh, sort of a history of Aboriginal management of the landscape also linked with that I've just been looking at some training notes on managing fauna populations and there's Comments about the tectonic plate shift and the the split of um, the continent continents on those plates and and the associated impacts on fauna populations. It's often sort of discussed in the millions of years um, scenario. I was sort of trying to get my head around the the um, the creation versus evolution uh, theories on on you know the impacts and all of that sort of thing. Um, have you got anything to add or clarify that could help?
2: Well, what makes sense of it all is really to understand the the chronology, to understand the history. So when you're talking about presenting in terms of millions of years, there's a certain history or story that's told about that. And you might have seen the books The Greening of Australia and The Browning of Australia, those sorts of things. And so that's a story presenting the evidence over the, uh, in that, in that uh, framework. Well, from a biblical perspective, basically most of the rocks have been deposited during Noah's flood as, and most of it as the waters were rising uh, on the earth. And then there was a certain small amount of rocks which were deposited as the waters were falling. And so when you're talking about... um, uh, And then after the flood, after the flood, that's when uh, uh, animals and people came to Australia. The flood occurred about 4,500 years ago. The the Tower of Babel, we read about that in in Genesis. That occurred a little bit after that, a couple of hundred years after that. So you're looking at about 4,000 years is when the humans... People started to disperse around around the world, and so the Aboriginal people would have come to Australia after that. Uh, and so, whenever you read something about uh, about the way it's presented in an evolutionary framework, the the key thing is to realise the dates are subjective. So when they're talking about Aboriginal people being in Australia for 40,000 years, you realise, well, that's just based on their assumptions. The dating methods, uh, they're based on assumptions. And so you always question the dates. And the 40,000 years, well, it would have had to been after 4,000 years ago, after the Tower of Babel. And so that's how you understand um, the, the, the uh, human in, inhabitation of Australia. Plus the animals would have been before that. You've got the Ice Age, which occurred after the flood. So these little uh, um, sequences within the biblical flood, once you understand that, it's easy to put things into perspective and to interpret them.
1: Was that helpful, Neil? Uh, Yeah, I I fully
3: recognise the flood as as a historical event. And I'm trying to um, – there was comments made in these training notes and – Millions of years, and, you know, those are different eras, and this is what's impacted, you know, land bridges for migration of certain, certain animals, the ground dwellers, and um, but there was also interesting comments about um, Europeans were the ones who modified the landscape, and yet reading the the um, the book on the Aboriginal history, Aboriginal management of the the land was was. Called managed um, with with fire and and you know a, a regular and and no one seems to be able to indicate what a regular fire regime is and because uh, a lot of that knowledge has been lost but um, you know there's comments about grasslands extensive grasslands and all of that but but from what I read the the um the, the extensive grasslands were a product of aboriginal management of the land and 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 yet this comments that um Europeans were the ones who significantly changed the landscape with their management practices i think it's just different so you know i'm sort of trying to bring all the, the biblical flood and you know tectonic plate movement and all of that and try and relay it to where you know th- these comments that I keep coming across, um, as Taz it it's regularly assumed that millions of years are involved, and yeah. Just...
2: Well, you'll have a lot of. It. It'll be very interesting for you to be able to present it within that framework. You have to realize the tectonic plates when they broke up. That would have been during the flood at the, la- the sort of the, the the last part of the flood. Uh, when, uh, when the continent settled and also the ocean basin sank. And so that's probably up to the top of the Cretaceous as the water's going up, and uh, they find lots of um, green vegetation, and so they say that Australia was very lush and a beautiful rainforest and all that. But that's material buried during the flood. After the flood is when Australia was dry, and, uh, and so they talk about the browning of Australia. And so in the evolutionary framework, they don't recognize the, these two events, flood, post-flood, whereas you should be able to recognize them. And as you do a bit of reading on creation.com and also on my site on biblicalgeology.net, you should be able to identify where these different things occur. And also the other th- thing that happens is that Aboriginal people uh, are regarded, even with the best will in the world, they're regarded as being very primitive. The evolutionary framework has the idea of humans evolved and so it was a slow and gradual sort of evolution from very primitive position. And so the, the Aboriginal people in the early settlement are considered to be primitive. But in actual fact, they were intelligent. They were descended from Noah and the family that came off the ark. So when they came to Australia, And and migrated here, they had intelligence, they didn't have the technology because they moved into areas where there were not hardware stores and things like that. And so they had to use their ingenuity, but they were no different from people anywhere else in the world. And so they're able to learn how to manage the land and all that sort of thing in this new continent.
1: Thank you to Neil from Cooramook in Victoria, 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join our conversation, let's take a call from Jason in Victoria. Hi, Jason. You've been waiting a little while.
3: Yes, good morning, Taz, and good morning, Neil.
2: Good morning, I'm Jason.
3: Like, uh, I did a... Pro- we talked about dinosaurs. My work on one Friday, my Friday group, and I commented how... They, I tried to say about the flood, but, but they said you're the only one of the few who say, mean that, believe that or something. What is your view on, I tried to say to the guys that were doing the project for the
1: dinosaurs? Okay, we're talking dinosaurs and the flood. Uh, are you suggesting, uh, Jason, that, uh, that uh, your friends are saying that uh, if there was a flood, Not it would them. have killed the dinosaurs? Uh, how do the dinosaurs fit with the flood, Taz?
2: Well, dinosaurs, uh, were, the, they w- would have been overwhelmed during the flood and that's why we find the remains of dinosaurs all over the world. And wherever you see the fossils and when you read about them in newspaper reports on new discovery, you find that they will be talking about dinosaurs being overwhelmed by flooding rivers and a whole herd of them being buried. So there's evidence of catastrophe usually in the reports, but they will talk about millions of years and supposedly the dinosaurs died out 65 million years ago. But the actual evidence that they present is evidence of rapid burial and catastrophe, and that's consistent with Noah's flood. The 65 million years are imaginary. they didn't happen. And uh, the, there's lots of uh, reasons given as to why these dinosaurs died out, but none of them really uh, are widely accepted. The idea of a meteorite impact uh, in, um, in the Americas that has been in the news and it's still very popular. But basically the, the, uh, the experts are saying that the timing of that doesn't match the dinosaurs, uh, the so-called extinction. And the other thing is that dinosaurs would have been on Noah's Ark. They would have come off the Ark. And so we find a lot of evidence of dinosaurs and people interacting together. They didn't call them dinosaurs because that's a sort of a modernish word, but they did talk about them as in, in terms of dragons. And so you find lots of pictures, drawings, descriptions of dragons, and you can actually identify a particular type of dinosaur uh, uh, that people are describing. And so there's a number of books. One would be Dire Dragons is an excellent book recording a lot of uh, historical evidence drawings and that of uh, people encountering these creatures.
0: A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio.
1: It's Neil with you, and we're talking creation evolution this hour. Dr. Taz Walker, our guest from Creation Ministries, Uh, there's 10,000 articles that you can access when you go online at creation.com. We're talking about evidence for creation, evidence for Noah's flood in our own backyard. When we talk about our own backyard, uh, focus on the Red Centre, and Taz, you've got some videos that are coming out that are going to shed real light on what all of this uh, creation connection to Australia's centre means.
2: Yes, we've got some enthusiastic friends uh, in the Red Centre at Alice Springs and they wanted some material to uh, showcase their area. And uh, so what we did is we produced uh, four videos about some of the areas. We didn't do Ayers Rock. We're doing a brochure about that. But we did did them on uh, places like Ormiston Gorge, the McDonald Ranges, Glen Helen Gorge and uh, Honeymoon Gap. Uh, so these are little one-minute videos which are really great. They can be shown in all sorts of situations. And they were pr- uh, produced by uh, a, a guy who's a, um, a cameraman, a, a, a professional cameraman in the Red Centre, and they're very well done. So they can be accessed by a, uh, a site called creation.com forward slash Red Centre. And uh, because they're only one minute videos, we couldn't put all the information and all the geology and all the background and all the science on it. So we've produced a a page, a whole page of scientific information so people can go there and check out all the facts. And uh, we've had some really, really good reports about that uh, on um, Australia's Red Centre. Now, one of the amazing things is that the rocks in the Red Centre point to amazing, fast widespread, energetic deposition from water. And uh, th- there's, the, um, there's a, a, an, an area called the Amadeus Basin, uh, basin meaning a, a, a depression which is full of uh, sediments, which have been deposited in water. Well, this is even though this is a very large basin. Geologists have come to realize that the the water was so energetic it must have covered a large area, and so they're talking about this basin extending into other basins in the area. And the the in term that's sort of come into the geological uh, fraternity is the Great Centralian Basin, where you've got water flowing under high energy and depositing sediments which are like huge sand dunes from water, 10 metres thick and covering all this area. So that's part of what was deposited. And then that was early in the flood. See, they don't recognise the flood, but you can tie that in to being very early in the flood when the high energy part of the Noah's flood. And as that catastrophe unfolded, the crust of the earth moved and these sediments were pushed around and they were tipped up on end, they were eroded, they were bent. And so you see this stuff all through the red centre.
1: Let me ask you about uh, the perhaps the biggest icon that we have in Australia, uh, Ayers Rock Uluru. Uh, we just know it as one of the biggest uh, tourist attractions in our nation, people travelling from all over the world to see it. Now, uh, one of your colleagues, Ron Nella, said uh, last time he appeared on this program, he said, Ayers rock Uluru is a sedimentary rock. Uh, that must be a, a difficult thing for evolutionists to deal with, or those who argue against Noah's flood.
2: Well, I don't. I wouldn't say that they consider that difficult. They recognise it as a sedimentary rock, and they recognise that it was deposited from water, of course. But uh, they they imagine that the this happened over millions of years and slow, gradual movement of the crust. And uh, so that's the way they interpret it. But uh, Uluru, uh, you can actually see the lines of sediment when you're looking at the rock. The lines actually sit vertical, almost vertical. And uh, they're they're the strata, the sedimentary layers. And so not only is it a sedimentary rock, but the rock has been tipped upwards And uh, not only tipped upwards, but it's been eroded off. So the strata goes vertical, pretty close to vertical, and then they're cut off. So there's a lot of material being eroded away. Uh, And when you look at the rock, you find lots of evidence for catastrophe.
1: Well, we're talking about evidence for creation in our own backyard here in Australia and a focus on the areas in central Australia, the red centre. Our special guest is Dr. Taz Walker. Taz, when we talk about these issues, uh, the Red Centre, I mean, people are coming from all over the world. It's like a tourist attraction to come to Australia and see Uluru, uh, Ayers Rock, and actually see these uh, great... Uh, icons of Australian uh, landscape, but what we've been discussing is the creation aspect of that landscape, of Noah's flood and the impact on that landscape. Let me ask you, because you did begin to raise some issues about uh, what Aboriginals feel about the past, and uh, an interesting aspect of that, when we talk about a 40,000 year for Aboriginal history, that that's actually a white man's perspective on Aboriginal history. What do the Aboriginals themselves uh, take from their own heritage about these things?
2: Well, they have stories about the past, uh, Dreamtime stories, which um, in, in some of these stories, amazingly, uh, but not surprise, well, amazingly, but it's really not that surprising, they connect with the common history to all mankind that's recorded in the Bible. For example, the, the Bandabra people, there's a guy called Jimmy Bird, and we have his story on our website. You can search for it there. Uh, that he recounts an, a story about a great flood, which was caused by some young boys uh, ta- uh, taking all the feathers off the, the winking owl and offending a god and this god deciding to destroy the people in a flood. And it talks about how the, uh, the flood came on the earth and how there was a man and his wife and there was an animal in a canoe escaping the flood. And so there's a lot of things which are, are fit in with the various features of the flood described in the Bible, and there are other things which are different. And um, we put that down to a um, corruption due to oral transmission over, over thousands of years, uh but the 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 basic thrust of the story is 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 there, and it's not just well Aboriginal people have many stories like that, and also of the Tower of Babel and uh other cultures around the world uh through the Pacific islands in uh asia india in europe there's there's these stories they're called flood legends uh which are passed down Chinese people do have it even in their written they're, they're iconographs, so their language, you can actually see pictures which represent accounts that come from the Bible. It then becomes surprising, doesn't it, that people on the evolution
1: side of the argument try to deny that there was a flood at all because as soon as... Uh, evolutionists say there must have been a flood, they're almost giving credence to the truth of the Bible, and they try to avoid that at all costs. Is that the way it works?
2: That is the way it works. So they work within the framework of um, long ages, slow processes, similar to what we see today. So whenever, for example, they encounter a a feature, a geological feature, which points to very large uh, water flows, you know, catastrophic flows, they will try to reinterpret in terms of slow and gradual processes. For example, you might find sedimentary rocks with some very large boulders in it. And uh, they will, rather than saying, oh, there was a lot of water that went through here, they'll often say, um, there must have been a glacier which dropped these rocks in. So they will try to reinterpret it or they will interpret it within their slow and gradual uh, paradigm. Whereas when we look at it, we say, well, look, that's exactly what we'd expect, uh, evidence of catastrophe and look at these boulders. And so it's a very, very interesting uh, aspect of reinterpreting the the evidence that the um, mainstream geologists have documented and uh, being able to see how that actually matches Noah's flood. Let's come back to this manipulative
1: aspect of the evolutionary theory, because while we're talking about Aboriginal people in Australia, I'm sure that uh, people deny that they would be trying to manipulate but those who are interpreting Aboriginal history – ab- and this is an important point uh, – interpreting Aboriginal dream time by applying an evolutionary theory to it, mm. uh, telling Aboriginals that, uh, that uh, they must have evolved and uh, that their dream time stories are not quite so valid – uh, that actually, uh, that does. You know, sometimes it's sensitive when you talk about issues to do with Aboriginal Australia, because uh, there's almost a line of political correctness that you tend to be cautious about crossing. But what you're saying, and uh, and what uh, bringing out a very very powerful point, uh, that where white man interprets the Dreamtime stories for the Aboriginal people, it it takes away something of the Aboriginal's own heritage.
2: Exactly right, and and normally. Uh, for example, at Ayers Rock, there's a, 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 an interpretation that's put out there in the public, the Aboriginal interpretation of how Ayers Rock came about. And they say, this is the indigenous people. These are the who have explained this, and this is their explanation. And then they'll say, and this is a geologist's explanation. So they'll put the two there. And the basic thrust, unwritten thrust, is, well, we know that this is just a fairy story. We know that this really didn't happen, what the Aboriginals said this way. We know that it's made up. So we're happy to put it out there. And it's a little bit patronizing, I think, uh, of the people uh, by putting it out that way. Uh, Whereas they, you know, they're very reluctant to put out a creationist explanation and say, "Well, this is what creationists say, based on the Bible, uh, as to how as rock formed," because they can't be so patronising and say. Uh, this is, we know it's a fairy story because the evidence fits so well they're challenged by it. So rather than just put it out and sort of be patronising, they tend to uh, censor it and not show it at all.
1: Uh, what's significant, of course, is the interpretation that you put on a heritage actually shapes the values of whole people groups. And, uh, and this is an interesting little crossover we're talking about and I'm sure that it's quite controversial and there might be listeners who might like to contribute to our conversation uh, your own thoughts on uh, Aboriginal dream time, on creation, on evolution because uh, there's an intersection here which we're talking about today but what I'm saying is uh, the way that the values of a people group, uh, of a nation uh, would be shaped by the things that they believe about the past would lead us to actually saying we need to have a correct interpretation of the past. Otherwise, uh, we can turn into all sorts of uh, uh, aberrations of what we ought to be.
2: That's exactly right. And we read in the Bible in, in examples of, uh, say, the children of Israel being commanded to make a memorial, to teach it to their children, uh, the events that happened, so that their children would know when they weren't there. And the same thing applies, to the Aboriginal people. Where do they come from? Well, we were all living together at the Tower of Babel. All the, the whole population of the earth was there. And then after the languages were confused, people migrated to different parts. And so Aboriginal people, like all people in the world, made in the image of God. They come from a highly technological background Noah and the ark built this enormous vessel survived the flood so they've got the the intelligence and heritage there and as they've moved away they've lost it because they moved into areas where there were you know they lost contact and maybe you know as in our culture didn't pass it on to the children and that's what's happening in our culture even in Australia there is seems to be a a censoring of Australia's Christian heritage since the time of settlement, uh, the, the, and the motivation of uh, early explorers realizing that they were work, they were sort of uh, p- fulfilling part of the destiny of the Creator God in settling this land, and so that's being censored out, and there's a deliberate forgetting in our culture of our of our heritage, and and pr- it happens in every culture
0: helping you make sense of life culture and current events from a biblical perspective 2020 on vision
1: we are taking calls 1-800-316-316 if you have a question or a comment we're talking about evidence for creation in our own backyard here in australia with a focus on the red center let's take a call from chris in victoria hi chris welcome along
4: uh, G'day, Neil. Yeah, i just make a comment. It's not about Australia, but in general, why the devil uh, wants to push evolution so hard is because um, when you take God out of the picture, you take him out of everything. If there's no God, then like, for example, the Jews are not God's chosen people and Israel cannot be theirs. Whereas when you go to Israel, and all the archaeologists are finding everything according to God's timeline. And so the world must be exactly the age God says it is and you know therefore dinosaurs everything can't be millions of years old so that's you know that proves it so it it proves the jews are god's chosen people god's thing and also yeah you know people rail against christians but they'll never rail against the muslims you know regarding evolution whereas they believe strongly in a god and just one last thing because we christians we we eat out of the tree of life we have god's truth but we're Most of the people today are eating out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and therefore they fashion a God out of their own thinking. Uh, You know, God says in the last days, they will call evil good and good evil. So, you know, they they swap the things around, yeah.
1: Good thoughts, Chris. Uh, Your uh, comment, your response, Taz?
2: Yeah, I think, as you say, it's good to start with the Bible, and that makes sense of the whole world. And uh, we're doing that as far as geology is concerned, but it's not just geology. It's to do with us as people, where we came from, why we're here. And so... Starting with the Bible is the way to go. And uh, praise the Lord that when people uh, don't start that way, life goes off and goes wrong, and uh, they're encouraged to return. And uh, that's what we want to see happen.
1: Chris from Victoria, thanks so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, you might have a question for our guest, Dr. Taz Walker. Uh, Taz, let me just uh, ask you about uh, the way you uh, conduct a conversation. I, I have a friend and uh, we're talking about this sort of issue of uh, creation and evolution, and uh, and uh, he's adamant that uh, that things evolved, but there is a context for science in the whole person and you began to touch on it just a few moments ago because uh, science is for some people it's the ultimate it's everything and, and I guess some people call that scientism it's like it's the uh, all, the answer to everything but but science actually has its own context within the big picture of who humanity is
2: uh, indeed that's true. And when we talk about science, uh, we need to recognize that science, the power of science, and it's produced amazing things in this world, all our modern technology, airplanes, cell phones, and all that, that science is based on uh, experiments. It's based upon observation and measurement, and observation and measurement is done in the present. When we're talking about what happened in the past, about creation, about the flood, about that sort of thing, we're talking about things which we can't observe. So we do have evidence in the present, but we do not see the events that people talk about. And so it's really a speculation. It's a hypothesis. It's a story that's made up. And I encourage my grandchildren, you know, when they hear this stuff at school, it's taught to them at school. I said, look, ask yourself, don't let it worry you. Just ask yourself, what did they actually see? And uh, when you, you that clarifies what the evidence is, that's what's observed, what's measured, compared with the story, which is not observed. And so when you ask that question, it's very easy to be able to separate those two out.
1: We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Roger in Western Australia. Hi, Roger. Welcome along.
4: Yes, good morning. Um, I was reading some stuff recently about dinosaur bones being able to be carbon dated and uh, also that coal can be. And they turn up to be less than thirty thousand years old. any comments on that?
2: Yes well carbon dating uh, is based upon carbon14 it's a um, it's a radioactive element which decays and it's got a fairly short half-life five thousand seven hundred years compared with other other uh, isotopes that were used for other things and so because of that five thousand seven hundred years you would expect after say ten or twenty, Half lives, there'd be virtually nothing left. And so carbon 14 is only useful, it can only be used for dating things up to 100,000 years. And yet, um, and we do find that we have carbon 14 in things like coal, as you say. Uh, I'm not, I think in dinosaur bones, I I, uh, remember uh, hearing that dinosaur bones have been carbon 14 dated. Plus, we find it in diamonds, and that points to them being not millions of years old, not billions of years old, but thousands of years old. And uh, yes, carbon 14 is uh, one of our articles that uh, diamonds are creationists' best friend because they point to a young Earth. But of course, people, when they encounter this uh, this carbon 14 in in these things, they don't say, "Oh, the Earth must be young." They will say. How does this work? What is happening here that we 've got an old an old sample that 's giving a young carbon 14 and so they will speculate that maybe there's contamination or maybe there's some sort of nuclear source or something uh, to try to be able to preserve the information uh, within a long age and uh, that just illustrates that this whole thing is based is a, a philosophy it 's a worldview and uh, peop- and so the evidence doesn't settle it. The evidence is interpreted.
1: Thank you to Roger from WA 1800 316 316. Let's hear from Jacob in Woolooma in New South Wales. Hi, Jacob. Welcome along.
0: Uh, good day, Neil. question is, like, with, um, with dinosaurs, uh, fossils being found in large areas and things like that, but you don't hear much about just the everyday species of uh, today's animals also being found in similar ways. And uh, this is a. Query on that. that As a scientist, um, I'm assuming that they would find large uh, herds of our everyday animals being found as well in a similar way to the dinosaurs. Uh,
2: Exactly right. Uh, Part of the reason for that is that people are interested. uh, Interested in dinosaurs. They're the things that they like. So they find the dinosaurs and they put them in the museums. The stuff which is everyday material which we see today, is not so interesting, so it tends not to be put on display. There's a guy called Carl Werner. He's a medical doctor. He had exactly the same question, and he travelled around to various museums and dinosaur sites around the world asking exactly that question. Do you find any modern plants and animals in the dinosaur rocks? And they said, yes, they fight. there's, there's uh, oodles and oodles of, of, of modern plants and animals. And he's written a whole book on this uh, with pictures of it and a DVD called um, Evolution, the Grand Experiment. It's volume one and volume two. Volume two is living fossils, fossils which are supposedly millions of years old, which are exactly the same as uh, animals which are alive today. And he says that what tends to happen is the museums tend to put all the fossils from the rocks in one room and all the living animals uh, in another room. Uh, He says they really should be put together so people can actually look at them at the same time and see that they're exactly the same. Jacob from Maluma
1: in New South Wales, thanks so much for your call today. Let's take another call from Robin in Cabramatta in Sydney. Hello, Robin.
2: Oh, hello. Uh, look, I'd like to ask a question. Uh, it was mentioned that the evolutionists put a, a patronizing aspect on the dream time of the aboriginals. But what what, um, what do the creationists, what do they say about the dream time? I met an aboriginal Christian girl oh, some years back, and she discounted the whole dream time thing. She said, that's of the rainbow serpent. And she doesn't value it at all. And I've met a few other Aboriginal Christians who I think feel the same. So I'm just wondering what the doctor says about all that. Uh, Well, I think with any stories that come out, we have to test them and check them to see how reliable they are. And... uh, so, for example, uh, you know, there, when we check out some of the Dreamtime stories, they do have similarities to accounts which are in the Bible, and so we it doesn't prove, but it sort of alerts us to it looks like there's a memory here. There are other stories which are made up and uh, which are which are presented, and uh, which we think, well, we don't know exactly what that is, what its origin is. So, uh, f- personally, I wouldn't be able to comment on whether that is. Um, valuable or not but you know just saying I don't can't see what the connection is there I think there is a possibility that um, some of these stories may be harmful uh, but uh, I'm not the person that's able to judge that.
1: Thank you to Robin from Cabramatta and we probably won't have time to take any more calls but thanks to everyone who's called in through the hour with a question. Uh, just to come back to these new videos, uh, people can download those from the creation website, the uh, the Red Center videos. Or, in fact, they're so new they're not not quite available yet. Is that the case? I though? know they're
2: available. They are. So if you, if you go to Google and type the Red Centre and say McDonald Rangers or Ormiston Gorge or Honeymoon Gap, you'll find them and they'll be all listed along the side in um, in the YouTube area. Or you can just go to creation.com forward slash Red Centre and you'll find them. And uh, so that's the Red Centre. We also have new material on Wilpena Pound. And uh, we, we love putting up material which is going to help people in their understanding when they go and tour these areas and whether they, when they have to write material for their schools and universities, and it helps them in that way.
1: 10,000 articles on creation.com, and uh, not to confuse things with too many addresses for people to visit, but you did mention your own personal website too. What's, what's that one, It's Paz? called
2: biblicalgeology.net.
1: Okay, lots of great resources to follow through. Taz Walker, and uh, Taz, always good getting your impressions and your insights into these very valuable issues, and today talking about our own backyard, talking about creation that we can see here in Australia and with a specific focus there on the Red Centre. Taz, uh, thanks so much for taking time to
0: be with us today here on 2020.
2: Yeah, it's been really good. I've enjoyed it.